Hi, I'm Liz Graveline. As a doctor of physical therapy, I spent my early 20s refining my intervention skills on treating joint pain, stiffness, and weakness. Now, in my early 30s as a working mom of two toddlers, it wasn't long ago that I had to rebuild my level of fitness from the ground up. On this show, morning routines, posture, joint health, and life longevity are all topics we'll break down for you into digestible bits of information to quickly implement in your day-to-day life. Regardless of whether you are the experienced or novice exerciser, this is a place you can receive actionable steps and strategies to reach you closer and closer to your fitness goals without judgment or the external pressures. Bringing back the fun and excitement into an active lifestyle so that it's tied into how you feel versus what you look like is what we'll discuss here. So settle in and get ready to be cheered on while you learn. This is the Exercise Proper Podcast. I first want to give a shout out to those of you who have been tuning in every week. Thank you so much. And if you haven't already, please hit the link in the show notes to subscribe for additional free health and fitness information such as at-home workouts, injury prevention strategies for the recreational athletes out there, and also research-based treatment interventions for pain. I'd really appreciate it. It helps small businesses like mine to subscribe to our email lists. Thank you. We decrease flexibility pretty dramatically through our 20s, 30s, and then continue to decrease after 49 years old. In today's episode, I will be covering a bit of the science behind why following a consistent stretching program is critical, specifically to not only slowing down the brutal consequences of aging, but also critical to maintaining joint health and maintaining high quality movements as we age. And when I say high quality movements, I'm talking about the form and technique of while we lift a heavy suitcase at the airport, what does that look like? Or while performing a single leg Romanian deadlift, what will be the quality of your movements at the age of 50, 60, 70, or 100 years old? If you do not set aside goals now for when you're 80 years old, your 80th birthday is going to come and you may need help getting out of a chair. Maybe you need help getting out of a chair now, but there's an opportunity here. If you're able to listen to this episode today to improve your strength and flexibility and your overall energy for life, you can do that. Just set aside some goals now of how you want to feel when you grow old later. And in my line of work, I see many patients in their 70s and 80s and they don't move well. And a huge part of that is stiffness limitations in their range of motion, and poor flexibility. Which brings me to my topic of conversation today. Implementing short, repeated bouts of stretches throughout your day, every day, can can provide you with many advantages. The ultimate goal with stretching is to improve limb range of motion. Improve the range of motion of your shoulders, your elbows, your hips, knees, and ankles. We decrease flexibility pretty dramatically from 20 to 49, then continue after 49 years old. If you hope to slow down this inevitable decline in flexibility like I do, let's go. Have you seen Tom Brady lately? And how old is he now? His fitness regimen prioritizes stretching and mobility like crazy and for a damn good reason. Come on. There are various modes of stretching that are being talked about right now, including static stretching, dynamic stretching, foam rolling, and PNF stretching. 
static stretching involves a static hold, hence the name, you're not moving. You're stationary and holding the stretch. While there's conflicting evidence on duration of stretch, the most common recommendation you'll see in the research for achieving the greatest range of motion is three sets for 30 seconds per muscle group because any duration greater than 30 seconds will not show improved range of motion. Holding a stretch for greater than 30 seconds essentially is a waste of time. What's also critical is that you are performing the same three sets for 30 seconds at multiple frequencies throughout your day and week to see significant improvements in muscle length or range of motion. In that, you are reaching a total of five minutes of total stretching duration per muscle group per week. And if that's too much to remember, do your best to just stretch for 30 seconds per muscle group three times per day every day. We will lose our flexibility over time if we do not use it. And static stretching is the preferred mode to increase range of motion and flexibility versus dynamic stretching or ballistic stretching or PNF stretching. Dynamic and ballistic stretching are techniques to also improve range of motion, although you're not stationary. You're not holding the stretch like you are in static stretching. During dynamic stretching, your arm or your leg is moving at a controlled speed and at an uncontrolled speed during ballistic stretching. I recommend ballistic stretching only for conditioned, well-trained athletes due to the higher risk for injury with ballistic stretching. The incorporation of a dynamic stretching program prior to a workout and after a light cardio warm-up is highly supported in the literature. That's what I do before I perform my workouts. I hop on the elliptical for 10 minutes to increase my core temperature a bit, perform my 10 dynamic stretching exercises, then get into my workout. Dynamic stretching may include, you know, Frankenstein's, inchworms, maybe you've done leg swings, arm swings, jumping jacks, squats, lunges, and it doesn't end there. And ideally, you want to structure your dynamic warm-up to align with the types of movements you'll be performing in your workout. So if you plan to do single leg RDLs in your workout that day, plan to work Frankensteins into your warm-up routine. If you plan to do burpees in your workout, plan to work and inchworms, squats, and some overhead jumps. That makes sense, right? Dr. Huberman, in his podcast, talks about how these mechanisms can be leveraged to improve your flexibility and increase joint range of motion. Your neural system is critical to the improvement of your flexibility. This is what I want you to remember. Flexibility involves three components, nerves, muscles, and connective tissue. And when I say connective tissue, I'm talking about your tendons, your ligaments, and fascia. Your tendons attach muscle to bone and your ligaments attach bone to bone. You can't improve your flexibility efficiently and sufficiently without addressing your nervous system and your connective tissue. And we often forget to incorporate the two into our workouts or inter- intermittently throughout the day while we stretch our hamstrings at our standing desk or we stretch our neck while we're waiting for our flight to board. We often forget to address the impact our connective tissue has on our flexibility and joint range of motion. Flexibility ultimately involves all three components, muscle, nerve, and connective tissue. When you neglect one of three or two of three, you're doing yourself a disservice. 
when we're talking about the nervous system, we're talking about our sensory and motor neurons. Specifically, in today's episode, I'll be diving into two types of sensory neurons, which I understand can be, you know, monotonous. And you're probably thinking, Liz, get to the point. But I'm motivated to go into detail on these topics a bit because if you can understand the why behind what makes stretching so critical to incorporate in your workouts and routines, maybe I can get you on board with this. It sparks a motivation to, to actually stretch and stretch every day. So let's get into it and leverage particular stretching techniques to activate these sensory neurons and reflexes to relax our muscles to achieve greater range of motion and flexibility. I know, it sounds so exciting! (laughs) Just stay with me for two minutes while I dive into the science a bit. Our Golgi tendon organs, I know, oh god, our GTOs are sensory neurons that exist at the end of a muscle within the muscle tendon. Stay with me. Think of them as an electrical wire, sending and receiving information in the form of electrical pulses on how much force the muscle is generating at a specific time. They're the brain of the muscle. The GTOs are the brain of the muscle. When lifting any object that's extremely heavy for us, our GTOs function to safeguard our muscles from failing. They protect the muscle from literally tearing apart or being torn off the bone when the muscle is under too much tension. Let's say you are on your way to the airport to fly out to Bermuda on a girl's trip. Your friend is in the car with you, so your Uber driver pulls up to the terminal. You both get out of the car, and you want to help your friend, right? So you attempt to walk to the back, pop the trunk open, lift your friend's 100-pound suitcase with one hand, completely forgetting your friend packs everything in her closet for a weekend getaway. But remember... You don't know it's 100 pounds, so you go to casually lift her suitcase and you're able to heave 100 pounds one inch off off the trunk floor before you drop the suitcase. But you're not injured, right? You just can't lift it any further. You're done. You'll let the Uber driver do it. That's what you pay him for. It's not happening. In this moment, you have completely taken for granted the neuromuscular mechanisms in our bodies. Without your Golgi tendon organs or GTOs, your biceps in this example most likely would have suffered a serious injury. When the GTO receives information that the weight of the suitcase exceeds the output of force generated by the biceps muscle, it shuts down the neural circuit to the spinal cord. In other words, it turns off the electricity. It turns off the biceps ability to contract and turns on the muscle directly opposite to the biceps, which is the triceps muscle. And this is a protective mechanism called autogenic inhibition. GTOs work in concert with muscle spindles. Muscle spindles are another sensory neuron that also serve to safeguard our muscles from failing by shortening or contracting the muscle that has been excessively overstretched. Whereas GTOs respond by relaxing the muscle when the contracted muscle is under too much tension. When using the suitcase example, when you are lifting the suitcase, you are shortening the biceps and the biceps muscle is under extreme, extreme tension. The muscle spindles within the biceps muscle are shut down by activation of the GTOs. On the other side of your arm, directly opposite to your biceps muscle, you are activating the muscle spindles of the triceps muscle because the triceps is being excessively overstretched. 
Static stretching and foam rolling of the biceps muscle, for example, activates the GTO within the biceps muscle and temporarily inhibits muscle spindle activity within the biceps as well so that it can relax and reduce tension within the muscle, allowing you to stretch further and gain more range of motion. Let's try another example. If you pick up a rubber band and stretch it as far as it can go, eventually it will break, right? GTOs and muscle spindles prevent muscles and other connective tissues, including our tendons and ligaments, from tearing. Or in this example, they prevent the rubber band from breaking by either just pulling the two ends of the rubber band together to relax the tension. So listen up. If you completely zoned out over the last two minutes, I get it. It's a lot. But this next point right here is what you want to pay attention to. You want to take advantage of various modes of stretching like static stretching, dynamic stretching, foam rolling, and PNF stretching to deactivate the muscle spindle and activate the GTO to improve your flexibility and range of motion. That is the ultimate goal. And without it taking up too much time or, you know, having any uncertainty that you have wasted your time on stretching when you're worried about it not doing anything, right? That's why we're here today. So let's be all about working smarter, not harder, and let's go. To put it more simply, we ultimately want to achieve greater range of motion within our joints, right? You want to improve your flexibility, Or if you're someone who has greater joint laxity, maybe you grew up with greater flexibility than all of your friends and family. Or more recently, you found most of your joints in your body popping or cracking, then you most likely have too much flexibility in your ligaments specifically, which falls under the category of connective tissue. However, this doesn't mean that you are allowed to neglect your sensory motor neurons, muscles, or fascia. You can still have tightness and tension in your muscles and nervous system without having stiffness in your joints, right? Which brings me to my next point, foam rolling. Foam rolling improves your flexibility and range of motion by activating the GTO to relax the muscles and fascial tissues. The evidence recommends foam rolling to serve as a warm-up activity in the improvement of your flexibility and range of motion. It's not to be thought of as a method to improve recovery and performance, which most people think. Most people think it breaks down scar tissue or, and adhesions, which it doesn't. Foam rolling is for everyone with enough upper and lower body strength to perform the movements required to align the muscle you wish to lengthen over the foam roller. The only contraindications are open runes and bone fractures. The research suggests that foam rolling may even increase your pain pressure threshold, which means it may increase your muscle's tolerance to pain, allowing you to tolerate weight at higher intensities within your workout or allow you to push closer to your one rep max or push you closer to failure during your lifts or even during sprints and high intensity interval training. Common places to foam roll include the lats, the calf muscle, quadriceps, and hamstrings. There's a common misconception that the more pain you're in while you foam roll, the better your results, and that's completely false. Actually, excessive compression of your muscle and connective tissue, including the tendon and fascial tissues within your muscles, will cause an acute inflammatory response and actually increase the tension within the muscle group. To achieve improved range of motion and flexibility of your muscles, apply light to medium pressure for longer periods of time. There is no standard protocol for foam rolling out there in the research right now. There's no specific duration 
or technique I can recommend that will have the best returns in range of motion. The same thing goes for proprioceptive neuromuscular facilitation stretching, or PNF stretching. There's no standard protocol we know of that can, we can say with 100% certainty this stretching technique, I guarantee, will increase your range of motion. However, if there's a particular muscle group like your hamstrings or calf muscles that are chronically stiff and tight and no matter what you try to do to improve your flexibility, these muscles just return to their original shortened length, then the PNF technique may be a game changer for you. If we use tight hamstrings as an example, the PNF technique is essentially used to activate the GTO and shut down the muscle spindle in order to improve range of motion. And this is what it looks like. If you walk into your living room, let's say, and you get on the ground, lie on your back and raise your heel onto the couch. Your entire leg should now be up in the air with the knee nice and straight. Then you're going to want to push down your ankle into the couch and push for 10 seconds. You should feel the back of your leg, the hamstring contract. Then relax after 10 seconds, slide your hips down towards your ankle, towards the couch. Your leg should now be a little higher and you're just going to want to hold the stretch and just relax there for 20 seconds. Then go again, you're gonna push your ankle down into the couch for 10 seconds. Relax, slide your hips down even further towards your ankle, towards the couch, and hold for 20 seconds. Repeat again and again until you've reached a point of discomfort where you can no longer relax through the stretch of 20 seconds. There are additional PNF techniques you can leverage to gain the flexibility you need with, within the most stubborn muscle groups. And you know, with all of this being said on the topic of improving range of motion, Ultimately, the takeaway is the importance in understanding your quote-unquote warm-up should be longer, if not as long, as your actual workout. Your warm-up should include first a light aerobic activity to increase your core temperature, followed by a dynamic warm-up with workout-specific exercises, then possibly foam rolling all before you start your workout. I guarantee this will elevate your performance during your workouts, and by that I just mean you'll feel like you have more control, more strength, and power. A proper warm-up will increase your range of motion and flexibility and even decrease your risk for an injury during your workouts. Then, after you finish the workout, perform static stretching for 30 seconds per muscle group. Don't forget that by adding short, repeated static stretches throughout your day, adding up to about 5 minutes of stretching per week, per muscle group will give you back the most return on the time you've invested. Thank you so much for listening in to today's episode. If you've received some insight and tangible strategies you can use, please subscribe to the Exercise Proper podcast. Pull a screenshot tagging your girl at Liz underscore Graveline. Don't forget to leave a review. Or if you are looking for other tips and tricks in your health and wellness journey, you can send me an email at lizgraveline at gmail.com. I'd shriek at the sight of your name in my inbox. That would be amazing. See you next time, guys.